are you a stable person? And I know we can joke about that and, and uh, tease about that and look to the person next to us and say, I know you're definitely not. Uh, but, but it's actually uh, a serious question when you really get down to it. Like really asking myself today, am I a stable person? And I thought about this question this week, and, and if you want to, you can turn to Psalm 16. That's where we're going to be this morning. I was just thinking about that question, and I actually was doing some research, reading some different journals, um, some psychiatric journals, just curious uh, in our society what they would deem as the top things that make or contribute to someone being a stable person. And read a lot of different things, and and there was a lot of different ideas, but, but really these four things were really at the top of everyone's list. So I want to give them to you. Uh, top four things that lead to one's stability in life. And this is according to what society tells us. Here's the first one. S- having a sense of self-worth, of value. Like you, you, you have a sense that you feel valued. Contributes to one's stability in life. Here's another one. Knowing that you are loved. Knowing that someone loves you, uh, we're told contributes to one's stability in life. Here's another one, a healthy family dynamic. So it doesn't mean that if you didn't have that growing up, that that means that you're unstable. But what I was reading and, and, and thought it was interesting is that if you did grow up with a healthy family dynamic, it helps your stability in life according to what society tells us. And here's the fourth thing that I saw unity in the different things that I read, a confidence to face challenges in life. Like that helps your stability, is having a confidence in facing challenges in life. And, and let me just explain to you here, I didn't do this already, that, that this was not, these, these things, this, these top four things that seem to have unity in the different things that I read and, and blogs and, and journals and things from different psych- psychiatric websites, these weren't written by believers, Okay, so, so these, let me just give them to you again, sense of self-worth, being valued, knowing you're loved, healthy family dynamic, confidence to face challenges in life. I thought that's interesting that that's what people who don't even know the Lord would say that is a major factor in you answering the question, am I stable in life, answering that with a yes. And so we're closing out our series this morning, It's Personal. We spent the last five weeks looking at the amazing blessings that God has given me as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the amazing blessings that God has given you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is that you can look and say, I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That if I stand before God one day and he asks me, why should I let you into heaven? That I can say, Lord, it's not because of what I've done. It's not the good that I've done. It's not that the good has outweighed the bad that I've done. But the reason why I have confidence that I have a relationship with you and have a home in heaven with you is because I've placed my trust in Jesus' perfect life lived for my sinful life. 
Jesus' perfect death on the cross, paying what my sin deserved, and I believe that Jesus Christ rose three days later so that if I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, which I have, I can have a relationship with you, a holy God and a home in heaven, that if that is you today, and that has been you, whether you've done that in the midst of this series or that's characterized your life for 30 years, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the blessings that come that have been given to us by God by having not just a relationship with Christ, but a personal relationship with Christ. And personal, remember, not in the sense of a private thing, but personal in the sense of an ownership. That this is what I have. This is what I've been given. That this is an amazing gift that I have by God, and it's not because of my works, but it's because of God's grace to me through Jesus Christ. And reminding ourselves of what we have through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we wrap it up this morning by looking at Psalm 16, and hopefully you're there. And let me give you the context before we even begin to read it. Can I do that? Let me give you the context. It doesn't really matter if you say yes or no, because I'm going to do it. But... Can I give you the context? All right, thank you. Here's the context. Most people believe that David is writing this psalm as he's running for his life from King Saul. So if you know the story of David, David is anointed king by Samuel, but David doesn't take the throne right away. And so King Saul sees that David has gained popularity with the people because David is fighting in Saul's armies and he's winning victories and he's gaining popularity and and gaining pomp and circumstance with the people. And so King Saul knows that David's going to be king. And so King Saul is so jealous that he literally wants to kill David. And so David has to run for his life. And he's hiding in caves and he's in the wilderness. And... David being a person like you and me, not a superhero, but you and me, I'm sure is wondering, God, what in the world? I'm supposed to be anointed king. I'm running for my life. I don't know if Saul's going to get me today or tomorrow or the next day, if even I will be alive by the end of the day. And David is running for his life. And it's in the midst of that that he writes this psalm, Psalm 16 which is a tremendous psalm. I mean, you ought, to, you ought to have this bookmarked. You ought to write it in the front of your Bible because Psalm 16 is a psalm of security in the midst of instability. So you feeling unstable this morning. Like we joked about that question, but maybe some of you are like, well, it's, we're kind of joking about it, but the reality is I'm actually feeling some instability. Because of whatever circumstance, whatever relationship, whatever health issue, whatever it may be, whatever uncertainty, and you're wondering, how do I answer this question, that's, this heavy question that's being posed to me? And you may be feeling unstable, and Psalm 16 is a tremendous psalm of security in the midst of instability. All right, so I've given you enough warning. Let's look at Psalm 16, and let's read this. We're going to read through the entire psalm. All 11 verses, and we'll start in verse 1. David says this. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, and whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply 
Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Interesting that he's writing that as he's running for his life. Saul wants to kill him. Could be today. And David says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. And we're going to dive in this psalm and pull out some amazing truths about who our Jesus is. Who your Savior is. What you can go to today because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or if you're here today, what you can have. If you place your trust in Jesus as your Savior, let's pray. God, I thank you, God, this morning for already having the opportunity to worship you with our voices, to worship you with our giving, and Lord, now to worship you with our hearing and our obedience to what your word says. And so, Lord, I pray that you would not allow me to say anything that is apart from what your word says. And God, may we be ready not only to hear you, but then to be obedient to what you say. Because God, we have a confidence in knowing that when your word is open, your mouth is open. So God, we are ready to hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the title of the message this morning. Jesus is my security. Jesus is your security today. Jesus can be your security today if you've not placed your trust in him as your savior and here's the idea that i want you to get this morning if you're taking notes and i would even encourage you to write this idea above psalm 16 in your bible it's this idea i am most stable when my security is placed in my savior that i am most stable in life when my security is placed where it ought to be my savior Because here's the reality, our concept of our Savior affects our confidence in our Savior. Did you get that? My concept of my Savior Jesus affects my confidence in my Savior Jesus. And I wonder this morning if we sit here today and maybe we're we're feeling a little unstable, we're feeling a little insecure, we're feeling fearful of the unknown that we need to remind ourselves this morning as we look at this psalm of the concept of who our Savior is because the concept of our Savior affects our confidence in our Savior. So when we look at this idea of, man, I'm most stable when my security is placed in my Savior, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to answer two questions that you may have. Two questions that I had as I read this psalm and here's here's the first i'm gonna just give you the two questions and then we'll answer them here's the first question what security has my savior provided me with 
if I'm most stable when my security is placed in my Savior, then I ought to be asking this morning, and you ought to be asking this morning, well, what security has my Savior provided me with? That's an important question, and we're going to answer that. Here's the second question. How does this security give me stability? I think those are two pretty good questions, wouldn't you say? Two pretty good questions for God's word to answer if we have an understanding that I'm most stable when my security is placed in my Savior. So let's answer the first question. What security has my Savior provided me with? And there's three things that I see in this passage of Scripture. Notice verse 6. I kind of highlighted it. Remember David's running for his life? He's fearful for his life. Don't ever get caught up when you read these stories of Old Testament characters that somehow there's some superhero in some cartoon and they don't struggle with what you struggle with. Jesus is the only one that was perfect. He put on human flesh. So don't get caught up thinking that, that these individuals that we read about in the Bible are any different than you and me. The only thing that makes them different is the choices that they may make that are different from you and I. And so as David is in the midst of all this turmoil, he says in verse 6, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Here's what David is pointing out, that his Savior has provided him with a security that can't be matched by any other thing. And he refers to this security with an interesting term. He calls this security that his Savior has provided him with as a beautiful inheritance. Not just an inheritance, but a beautiful inheritance. So let's flesh that out. What is this beautiful inheritance? What's this security that my Savior has provided me with? Here's the first thing. God chose you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, God chose you. That's part of your beautiful inheritance. Look at what he says in verse 5. He says, the Lord is my portion. Now, that's not what he says, is it? He says, the Lord is my chosen portion. I think it's interesting. David could have said, the Lord is my portion. But instead he says, no, no, no. Here's, here's part of my beautiful inheritance that I've been given that gives me security in the midst of instability. Here it is. God chose me. He's my chosen portion. Listen to Ephesians 1.11. Paul says this. In him, that's Jesus, we've obtained, Paul uses the same word, obtained an inheritance having been predestined, that means chosen beforehand according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Galatians 4, 7, Paul says, you're no longer a slave to sin. But you've been given the spirit of adoption where your hearts cry, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave. You're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir with God Paul mentions in Galatians 4, Ephesians 1, Paul says, we've obtained an inheritance, and get this, Paul emphasizes, this isn't because of you, it's because of God. God chose you. I always thought, I had quite a few friends that were adopted, and the previous church that I worked at, we had, we had this amazing ministry that we call the Every Child Initiative that we that we just provided means to where people who wanted to, be, to adopt, they, they could apply for a grant, and, and we had a big foster care program. And I remember we had a lot of kids in our church that were adopted, and it was a beautiful thing. And I remember asking one of my friends that I 
went to school with. And I remember he, he was adopted. He was the oldest. And then he had two other siblings that were biological kids. And I remember asking him um, after I knew him for a while, because this is a question you probably wouldn't ask him the first thing. But I remember asking, I was like, do you ever struggle with, you know, like, you were adopted and feeling less than like your siblings who were biological kids. And I loved his answer. It was so good. He said this, no, actually, I really rub it into my siblings who are biological kids. Because I say to them, hey, mom and dad didn't choose you, but they chose me. <laughs> Wasn't that good? I mean, and... and Paul uses that analogy of adoption to get, this, get across this amazing, beautiful idea that if today, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, get this, God chose you. When I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ when I was five years old, God didn't say, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Johnny just accepted me as a savior. No, God chose me. And listen, there will never be a time that we'll be able to fully rationalize how our free will and God's sovereignty and God's choosing works hand in hand. We'll never be able to fully understand that because that's a concept that's above our finite minds. But one thing that scripture makes clear over and over and over again is the beautiful reality that if I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I have a beautiful inheritance that reminds me, and David points to it in the midst of instability, here's what gives me security. God chose me. God chose me. And it's when I understand that God chose me and live in that reality and relish in that reality that God choosing me actually motivates me to continue to choose him. Because Galatians 4, 7, it says he's given, he's put in our hearts the spirit that motivates us to cry out, Abba, Father. So when I understand that God chose me, looking at last week, then I also understand if God chose me, then there's nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. Man, God chose me. It gives me security. Then look at what David mentions. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion. But then he says, he's my cup. Here's the second awesome thing about our beautiful inheritance. Not just that God chose you, but that God provides for you. He provides for me. That's the idea of my cup. Like in the midst of David running for his life, he says, wait a minute. Everything in me wants to fear. Everything in me wants to look at my circumstances. Everything in me wants to feel unstable because of what's going around me. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to remind myself of the security that my Savior has provided me with. I'm going to remind myself of the beautiful inheritance. God, you chose me. Which means nothing is going to happen to me that takes you by surprise. God, you're not, you aren't just my chosen portion, but you're my cup. You're the one who gives me exactly what I need every single day. You're the one that fills my cup. You provide for me. Ephesians 1.3, Paul says that Jesus Christ has granted us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. James 1 Verse, six, verse 17 says, every good and every perfect thing comes from above. Which means that anything that happens in my life that is a provision, that is a provision in some shape or form, I can't look at that and say, well, look what I did. Wasn't I smart? 
Well, man, wasn't I amazing? I can't say that. Instead, what, what God is doing is, is he's giving me the ability to remind myself, wait a minute, God, you fill my cup every day. And if I'm feeling empty today and I go to bed empty, Lord, as I look to you and I remind myself of who I am in you, God, what you're doing is you begin to fill my cup every day. You provide for me. You chose me. Look at what else he says in verse 5. He says, you hold my lot. Not a term we use often today like lot. Proverbs 16.33 says this, the lot is cast into the lap. But every decision is from the Lord. Lot was like, you know, they would cast lots. If you're familiar with this, they would cast lots to to determine God's will. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that today? Because we have his complete word. But they would cast lots. And David says, Lord, not only are you my chosen portion, not only are you my cup, but you hold my lot. You are the writer of my story. That's what you have with a beautiful inheritance. You have an assurance. Wait a minute. God chose me. You provide for me, God. And you're the writer of my story. That's what David is saying. That no, nothing that happens in David's life, David's reminding him, takes God by surprise. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Whew, that sure took a hard right turn. Wasn't expecting that. Every single, hear me, every single, say that, every single, look at your neighbor, say every single. Every single thing that happens in your life does not take God by surprise. He is the writer of your story. And get this, God does it right with an eraser. Did you get that? That God is the writer of my story and he doesn't write with an eraser. God never makes a mistake. And whatever way, even when I wander away from him, what I love is Jeremiah 18, where Jeremiah is told to go to the potter's house. And he looks at the potter, and the potter is marring this piece of clay, and it says that, that the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so the potter makes a new vessel. What, what God was wanting to do with Jeremiah is say, listen, Jeremiah, even though Israel seems to be wandering away from you, hey, it didn't take me by surprise, because I can take those things that are marred, and I can make something new. Isn't that Romans 8, 28? God works all things, not that all things are good, but God works all things for the good to them that love him, to them who are called according to his purpose. He's the writer of your story. What you're experiencing today doesn't take God by surprise. He's the writer, and he doesn't write with an eraser. Isn't that an amazing thing? That David, in the midst of all of this instability, says, wait a minute, what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer the question, what has my, what is my Savior, what security has my Savior provided me with? God, let me remind me, you chose me. Let me remind myself, you provide for me. Let me remind myself, you're the writer of my story. You know, Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. Some of you may know who he is, and Others of you may not. He lived from 1834 to 1892. Pastor in London. Very well known, especially if you're a preacher. And he struggled with depression. Badly. Like it was a manic thing. 
And I find it interesting what Charles Spurgeon says on this particular passage of Scripture, knowing that he struggled all the time with feeling in, unstable, was struggling with instability. Look at, what he, look at what he says. It's on your screen. He says, We can make our boast in the Lord. He is the meat and the drink of our souls. He is our portion, supplying all our necessities, and our cup, yielding royal luxuries. Our cup in this life and our inheritance in the life to come. As children of the Father who is in heaven, we inherit by virtue of our joint heirship with Jesus. Remember what Galatians 4, 7 says? We're heirs with God. All the riches of the covenant of grace and the portion which falls to us sets upon our table the bread of heaven and the new wine of the kingdom. Who would not be satisfied with such a dainty diet? Now remember, this was written in the 1800s. Dainty this today means kind of like this little little thing, right? Little, I, I picture like tiny little teacups. Remember the teacup party? But dainty back then had this idea of an amazing like five-course dinner. Just who would not be satisfied with such a, an amazing diet that God has provided us through our beautiful inheritance in Jesus Christ, our personal relationship with him? It says, our shallow cup of sorrow we may well drain with resignation. Remember we looked at that a couple weeks ago with Jesus being our reward where Paul says in Philippians 3, 8, man, I counted the loss of all things as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Charles Spurgeon says, man, our, our cup of sorrow that is trying to overwhelm our minds, man, we can just drain it out and say, man, when I look at this versus everything that I have in Christ, man, this is, this is, this is nothing in comparison to this. Since the deep cup of love s- stands side by side with it, and we will never be empty. That came from a person who struggled his whole life with instability. He reminds himself, what is the security that my Savior has provided me with? He chose me. He provides for me. He's the writer of my story. Here's the second question we ought to answer. Not just what security has my Savior provided me with. We answered that as we looked at verse 5. But look at this. Here's the second question. How does this security give me stability? Okay, Johnny, this is, this is what God's word says that I have in my Savior, but, but how does this security give me stability? Well, I'm glad you asked, because look at what it says. Look at verse 1 and 2. David says, preserve me, O God. That word God is, is the Hebrew word El. It literally has the idea of strong and mighty one. So he says, preserve me, O God, the strong and mighty one, for in you I take refuge. Like you're the one that I run for safety and security. I say to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, anytime you see that, that's the proper name for, or the personal name for God, that's Yahweh. It's, it's the, it means I am. That's what God said to Moses in the burning bush, I am. I'm the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, I'm Yahweh. And then David says, you are my Lord, lowercase o-r-d. That has the idea of Adonai or master. He says, I have no good apart from you. And how does the security, the beautiful inheritance that 
God has given me through Jesus Christ, how does that give me stability? Here's the first thing. It means I have someone to run to. You have someone to run to. Did you get that? Look at me. You have someone to run to today. If you place your trust in Jesus Christ, that's what I have through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have someone to run to. And how does this give me confidence? I mean, David mentions three different names of God in two verses. And what he's saying is, is, God, you're someone that I can run to. And here's why I can run to you. Because you're so much stronger than I am. You're the strong and mighty one. I'm not. You're the strong and mighty one. Lord, nothing takes you by surprise. You are Yahweh I am, which means you've never had a beginning, you've never had an end, which means you've seen everything. There's nothing that takes you by surprise. God, I I can run to you. You're the strong and mighty one. Nothing takes you by surprise. You rule over everything. That's the idea of Lord, lowercase o-r-d, your master, your Lord over everything, your Lord over Saul. Even though he's not looking at you right now. Your Lord over circumstances, even though I'm wondering, am I going to live the rest of the day today? Is today going to be the day that Saul finds me and kills me? And we know the end of the story that that didn't happen. But you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know the end of my story. But here's what you need to be reminded of. Just like David didn't know the end of his story when he wrote this. He's Lord over everything. He's Adonai. He's master. And he only does what's best. Because he says, I have no good apart from you. What David is saying here is, Lord, let me remind myself, you're the author and you're the giver of good. You're the one that authored good. I understand your character. You can't be anything but good because you're righteous. You can't do anything but right. And you only do what's best in my life. may not always be the easiest thing in my life. may not always not be the most pain-free thing in my life. But you always do what's best. God, here's what your security provides me with in my life. Man, I have someone to run to. I have someone to run to. And maybe you're here today and you've been running to everything else. And what God wants you to hear today, the reason why you're here today is because what God is saying to you is, run to me. Run to me. If you're going through instability right now, I wonder when the last time it is that you spent time with God alone and you just cried out to him. Because here's what oftentimes I do. I get on the phone and I call the people that I think will give me the best advice in the situation that I'm in, right? And I avoid my beautiful inheritance. I have someone to run to. That's how this security gives me stability. Here's the second thing. It's found in verse 7. Look at what it says in verse 7. David says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Not only do I have someone to run to. Because of my, the security that I've been given in my Savior, because Jesus is my security. Not only do I have someone to run to, but look at this. I have someone who'll listen. See, here this morning, you want someone who'll listen? You're like saying to yourself, all I want someone to do is listen. Guys, how many of us have made that mistake, right? I raise, my, I raise both hands. Can I raise both hands? 
where a lawyer will say to me, I don't want you to fix my problem. I just want you to listen. Right? I'm still learning that. That's what we want in the midst of instability is I want to know I have someone who will listen. And I love what David does here. Look at how he's speaking to his heart. He says, man, I'm going to bless the Lord because I know he gives me counsel. And his counsel is always best. Why? Because he is El. He's a strong and mighty one. Because he's Yahweh. He is I am. Because he's the Lord. He's my master. I mean, I know he's going to give me the best counsel. I know that his counsel, the best counsel is found in his word this morning. That I have that assurance in knowing that this is what I can go to. And it's available at all times of the day. That's what I love here. It's like it's available at all times of the day. I don't have to worry about being billed $150 an hour because I called someone after hours. It's available at all times of the day. Look at what David says. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Not in the daytime. In the night also my heart instructs me. What David is saying here is David takes the Lord's counsel and allows it to minister to his innermost being in the middle of the night. That word heart literally in the Hebrew in the Old Testament has the idea of my kidneys. So today, right, we have this, I love you with what? I love you with all my heart. So if you were a Jew, you know what you would say in the Old Testament times? Honey, I love you with all my kidneys. <laughs> Funny, I have never found that in the Valentine's Day on a greeting card. Makes me want to make one, actually. I love you with all my kidneys. Here's the point. That word heart, that idea has my innermost being. My feelings, my mind, my heart, my emotions, the way that I think, my kidneys and the reason why they use kidneys is because what does kidneys do it filters impurities out of the body so here's what david is saying lord i will bless you because you give me right counsel and you know what your counsel does it filters all the thoughts that are not from you that's what david is saying man i have someone who'll listen and when I'm struggling, and isn't it oftentimes in the middle of the night? Isn't it oftentimes you staying up at night and you can't turn your brain off? And I've learned from me and that oftentimes in the night the problems, my mind races and it becomes so much bigger than what reality is. But in that moment I'm feeling that, I'm sensing that, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And what David says, it's in those times that I take God's counsel and I allow it to filter out the feelings that are not from you, the thoughts that are not from you, the thinking that's not from you. And I praise God because I've been given security and it gives me stability. And God, I can run to you. And God, I can have someone who will listen, who will steer me in the right direction. That's what we all want. That's what we all want. And I wonder what we're speaking to ourselves in the middle of the night. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You ready for this? How many of you talk to yourself? Raise your hand. Wow, look at that. Look around. Keep your hands up. You're in good company. Yeah. 
A lot of us, we talk to ourselves. I talk to myself. Oftentimes, it's when I'm putting something together from Ikea, and I'm glad nobody else can hear what I'm saying. Like, Lori just knows that she just leaves the room. But what I love in this passage of Scripture is it says, you know what makes you, what contributes, or I should say contributes to you being a stable person? You need to talk to yourself. See, some people would say, man, that person talks to themselves all the time. They are not a stable person. What I love is David says, no, 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 wait a minute. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And it's in the nighttime where I have to talk to myself. I have to talk and give the counsel from God to my heart today. I need to take God's word and I need to speak it back to myself, to what I feel, to what I think, to, what I'm, to, to my emotions Because I understand feelings are God-given, emotions are God-given, but when they're in the driver's seat, they usually take us in the wrong direction. And David says, man, I'm so thankful that I have a Savior who's always there to listen. He's always there to listen. Psalm 119 verse 24 says, your testimonies are my delight, they are my counselors. Now listen, I'm not saying that you don't go to someone for counsel. I'm so thankful that I have people that I can go to for counsel. But I don't need to be going to other people before I make sure that I'm going to God. And here's what I know. Here's when I know someone's giving me good counsel. When they're pointing me back to God's word. And I look and I'm like, okay, the counsel that I gave, is it in contradiction to what God's word says? Because if it is, then I can tell myself, wait a minute, that's not good counsel. Because Psalm 119 says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. I'm so, praise God, I'm so thankful this morning that I have someone who will listen today. You thankful for that? Here's the third thing that I see and how our security gives us stability, not just that I have someone to run to. Praise God that that's Jesus today. Not just that I'll have someone who will listen, but here's the third thing. I have someone I can trust. Isn't that such a comfort in the midst of instability is that you have someone you can trust and look at what David says in verses 10 and 11 he says you will not abandon my soul to Sheol like God you're not going to abandon me you're not going to let your holy one see corruption I'm not going to be isolated and banished from your presence God in this life or the next It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David says, man, I know I have someone I can trust because I have a promise from God Almighty that I'm going to be with the Lord forever. And then David says, but it's not just about what's coming in eternity, but I also have this assurance that I have someone that I can trust because I have direction for life here on this earth. He says in verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, I have guidance for my life. I have joy in my life. I can have fellowship with you today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and what? And he will make your path straight. David says, you make known to me the path of life. Man, I have someone I can trust. You have someone you can trust today. You have someone who's faithful today. And the reason why I can have an assurance that today 
I have someone to run to. Today, I have someone who will listen. Today, I have someone who I can trust. And it's Jesus, my security, and the reason why I have that amazing hope today, the reason why I can have that security today, goes all the back to what we looked at in verse 5, because God has given me a beautiful inheritance through Jesus Christ. He chose me. He provides for me. He's the writer of my story. Hear me on this. And this won't be the last time you hear me say this. But I want you to get this. You are the preacher you will listen to more than anyone else. Way more than me. Way more than me. You are the preacher that you listen to more than anyone else. Did you get that? So what sermon are you going to preach to yourself when you need security and stability? What sermon is it going to be? What sermon is it going to be? Because David says... Here's what I know. David knows this. I listen to myself more than anyone else. So if that's reality, then it's important that I am preaching to myself what's right. And David says in verse 9, after reminding himself of what he's been given by God, the relationship that he has with God, verse 9, he says, here's what I know. Therefore, because of all of this, because of who God is to me on this side of the cross because of who Jesus is to us today, because he's our security, because he chose me, because he provides for me, because he's the writer of my story, my heart is glad. I love that, that it's is glad. It doesn't say will be glad, but it says in this very moment when my life may be taken from me in the midst of circumstantial instability my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices look at what he says my flesh also dwells secure David understood the idea that I gave you at the beginning of this message that I am most stable when my security is placed in my Savior because my concept of my Savior affects my confidence in my Savior. I want to introduce you to this man. Some of you may know his story. Others of you may not. His name was Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott arrived in Ecuador on February 21st, 1952, with the purpose of evangelizing Ecuador's Quincha Indians. And the operation that they had was called Operation Alca. And it was an attempt to evangelize the Harani people of Ecuador. This group of Ecuadorian indigenous people were considered the most violent and dangerous to outsiders. They were an unreached people group. They'd never heard the gospel before. And so Jim Elliott and his other missionaries that went him, with him were, were wanting to go to Ecuador to reach this tribe for Jesus. And Elliott and four other missionaries, their names Ed McCauley, Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, and their pilot, Nate Saint. They were called the Ecuador Five. These guys go with their wives to Ecuador to reach these Harani people. And they made contact from their Piper PA-14 airplane. So they made contact with these Harani using a loudspeaker. And they would drop a basket down from the plane to pass down gifts. And so after doing this after several months, the men decided to build a base a short distance from the Indian village along the Kure River 
And there they were approached one time by a small group of Harani Indians. And they even gave them an airplane ride. Can you imagine that? Like these people that like wore literally no clothes, like totally isolated from anything of technology or whatever, even in the 1950s, and they're going up in the air now. They didn't even even saw a car, and they're going up in an airplane. And so they take him on, on this, gave him an airplane ride, some of these Haranis, and one Harani who was extra curious, they called George. And encouraged by these friendly encounters, they began plans to visit the Harani tribe. So, so to no longer drop baskets, but to actually visit them in person. But they didn't know that George had lied to the others about the missionaries' intentions. So their plans, the missionaries' plans, were preempted by the arrival of a larger group of about 10 Harani warriors. So the missionaries went on that island thinking that they had made great strides, thinking that they had made great relationships, and they're met by these warriors who killed Elliot and his four companions on January 8th, 1956. Killed them all. Elliot's body, Jim Elliot's body, was found downstream, along with the other men, except Ed McCauley, who was found even further downstream. Jim Elliot died at 29 years old. 29. And here's what I found amazing, is Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, and Rachel Saint, Nate Saint's wife, who was the pilot, and other missionaries, after their husbands were killed by these people, they go back to share the gospel with them. They began working among the Harani Indians, where they continued to carry on that evangelistic work and saw that tribe come to Jesus. It's a story that probably some of you are familiar with. And Elizabeth Elliot died on June 15, 2015. She was 88 years old. She, written, she has written many books. And the reason why I tell you that story is because society would look at that and say, what a failure. What a failure. These men who were all young, who gave their lives, who could have stayed in comfortable Chicago, they left to go do a work that God had called them to do, and they lost their lives. And Elizabeth Elliot should be bitter, she should be angry, definitely angry at the people who killed her husband, but yet her and others, along with another wife of someone who was killed, they go back and they say, no, 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 they need to hear about Jesus. And she said this about security. She says, where does your security lie? Is God your refuge, your hiding place, your stronghold, your shepherd, your counselor, your friend? Your redeemer, your guide, if he is, you don't need to seek any further for security. It's a woman who lost her husband. But she understood where her security lied. She understood that the most stable place that she could be is an understanding the security that is found in her Savior. You don't need to search for anything else today. 
you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you in the quietness of your mind can call out to God and say, God, I place my trust in you as my Savior in your perfect life, death, and resurrection for my sins. God, I believe that you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. No one can come to God except through you. God, I believe in that you are my Savior today and I place my trust in you and you can experience this security. But if you're like me as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to be reminded of this every day. Because I want to wander away from the one thing that provides me with what I need. It's Jesus. And we close out this series this morning looking at the reality that because I have a personal relationship with Christ, He's my boast. It's not my stuff. It's not my status. It's not my strength. It's him, he's my boast, he's my mediator. I can't, but Jesus did. He's my light, he's my reward, he's my Lord. And today we close out by reminding ourselves, praise God, he's my security. He's what makes me stable today and every day. 